millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam Podcast here on itrwrestling.com or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this lovely Thursday morning? Sunny here in Glasgow. Kenny, I'm doing all right. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's just pleasant here in Lancaster, although I've got to say, I did detect a bit of a chill in the air this morning. Yeah. Autumns are coming. I know. It's. I feel like when 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 autumn starts, it is just the. Uh, it's it's the. Um, what do you call it? It's it's that 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 cold thing that you're not quite used to yet. Uh, that you've got to try and kind of get back into the the swing of. Exactly. Exactly. I've put my shorts away. I was wearing shorts up till last week. They're away for the winter. Well, yeah, yeah. Put them away for good. I don't think you'll be seeing them until next year. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good, Kenny. Yeah, yeah, really good. And um, just been, uh, I actually decided to catch up on some Impact Wrestling this week. I haven't watched that for a little while. Did you know, you probably don't know this, Kenny, that Bound for, Cl- Bound for Glory this year is on a Friday. A Friday? Yeah, it's Friday, October 7th. Because um, Extreme Rules is on the 8th. I'm not quite sure why it's not on the 9th. Maybe there's an event that I'm not aware of on the 9th. Maybe, yeah, they, fr- maybe they just thought, you know, screw it. You know, we don't get any bloody viewers anyway. So, <laughs> so why don't we just try a Friday night and see if anyone will watch on a Friday night? 
Well, why not? I mean, yeah. at this point, they've got nothing to lose, have they? Nothing to lose. Well, listen, um, we've got plenty to talk about today here on the podcast. And one of the things I wanted to bring up to you was uh, just kind of off the back of uh, last night and also something that Jim Cornette said. So Jim Cornette is not a fan. As I'm sure you're aware, he's not a fan of John Moxley. He is not a fan of him generally, just not his kind of wrestler. But he was very taken with Moxley's promo on last week's Dynamite. Not last night's, but last week's one. And he said uh, that it was you know, a great promo. He really enjoyed it. So he initially had said that he wanted Danielson to win the tournament. And then here's what he said after thinking about it following the promo. And now we know from last night's Dynamite that it will be Danielson and Moxley next week at Arthur Ashe to determine the new champion. Here's what Cornette said. He said, at first I was thinking, God damn it, can they just put the belt on Danielson? Because at least you've got a guy who can work with everybody, a legitimate star, someone that can carry the thing and nobody's going to scoff at it. But then the problem becomes, MGS the direction they need to go. They just need to make sure they're right when they pull the trigger on it. And, you know, God damn it, the problem is Danielson was a great heel six months ago and now he's been in a babyface group. But is there going to be that much animosity? Can they build between MGF and Danielson, which is totally, you know, starting from scratch? With Moxley, with that promo that he did, I think he put it on him. And when MGF beats him for it, then MGF's got some real effing heat. So that's Cornette's thoughts. What do you what do you think now that they've got Moxley and Danielson in the final? Who do you think should be the one to win it and essentially drop it to MGF? Well, it needs to be Danielson, because if it's Moxley, it's just going to feel like a rerun. I mean, we, which he would be. You know, he was the interim champ. Then he beat Punk in that three-minute match to become the undisputed AEW world champion. Then he lost the belt to Punk. And then Punk suffered the injury and was suspended. And it was vacated. And now we've got this another tournament. Hmm. So, I mean, I understand where Cornette's coming from. You know, long-term, you might say, well, that's a good idea. But when are they going to make MGF champion? And maybe it'll be next week. Maybe he'll just do the cash-in next week, right after the match. I mean, we've seen that enough times in WWE. Um, so he could be champion this time next week, MJF. Now, if that is the plan, I would agree with Cornette. You know, you don't want to put the belt on Danielson and then have Danielson lose 90 seconds, two minutes later. So if the plan is for it to be going to MGF next week, then Moxley needs to win. But if the plan is for Danielson, or rather the winner next week, to hold the belt for a period of months, then I think it should be Danielson because we've seen Moxley as champ already. And I just don't really feel like he's going to bring anything new to that role. We've seen him wrestle lots of different people. Um, is there anything new for him to do as champion? So yeah. it, it really, you know, it really, it really depends on what the plan is next week after the tournament. As I've just explained, I don't need to go through it again. And do so you think if, um, so if, I mean, because I would imagine that the plan is going to be that uh, whoever wins it, MJF beats them at full gear. So if it's full gear, you'd go with Danielson. Yes, absolutely. But if it's if MJF is to become champion next Wednesday then Moxley needs to win and then Danielson can chase MGF. Yeah. I, I I mean I I can see both sides of the coin for sure. I think that with Danielson, I think if he wins and he's a babyface champion, I don't think it's gonna be a long term thing anyway. I don't think they're gonna put the belt on him for a year or anything no. like that. Um and MGF's definitely the direction. I would be very surprised 
if he's not champ by full gear. Um, and yeah, I've got to think it would be Danielson, uh, mainly because I think if Moxley wins again, um, where do you really go with Danielson? So I think they're going to put it on Danielson. I think that he's, yeah. um, I think he's going to be the the guy. Um, yeah, but- I think more likely Daniel. This is what I think will happen. I think Danielson will win. Mm-hmm. Then there'll be like a handshake between Moxley and a hug between Moxley and Danielson. Moxley will then disappear off on vacation for a while. Yeah. Um, MGF will appear in the aisle and we'll have that stare down at the end. And then, you know, we'll, the following week we'll have the the verbal confrontation and then that will lead to a match later down the line. But to me, Danielson needs to be champ if it's going to be a, a two-month reign or six to two-month reign, six weeks, eight weeks or longer reign, Danielson needs to win. Um, now, someone who's come up in the news the last few days, which is a, a name that we, we've not really talked about in a long time, is the Velveteen Dream or the former Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark. Because EC3 had uh, come out recently saying that Velveteen Dream had been filming explicit stuff in his home during a party. Um, and the former Velveteen Dream has now responded to EC3, basically implying that the, the two of them and a couple other people were taking drugs and that EC3 is misremembering things. And I mean, the whole thing seems like a mess, um, with Velveteen Dream also sort of saying that the majority of, uh, or, or a bunch of people in NXT were also taking loads of drugs, which I mean, you know, it wouldn't really surprise a lot of us because, you know, that stuff happens and why would we hear about it? But I mean, it feels that like, uh, Patrick Clark, you know, he, in in the video he put on Instagram yesterday, he said, "I'm not going to have my name dragged across the mud anymore." But I mean, it feels that like this guy is just putting the final nail in his coffin of never being able to do anything in pro wrestling again. Because who would bother with that amount of hassle and hire him? Well, I mean, the only people that would have before were control your narrative, and that's the one person <laughs> he's dealing with. Well, exactly. So that's another. Uh... That's another job opportunity crushed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the story. I mean, just before we came on the air, Velveteen Dream was trending for the first time in a while. And, um, I mean, he obviously had the two arrests in August. I wrote about that in the Q&A in the next issue of the magazine. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I don't think he was going to be hired by WWE anyway, even before he put this video out. So I think he feels like he's got nothing to lose at this point, which I think is accurate. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to go into too much details on this, Kenny, because it's a, you know, it's a he said, he said, who's telling the truth? I've no idea because I wasn't there. I mean, he, I've got to say, Patrick Clark did put out a very long um, description of the events and how he gave, was it like a mutual friend, his phone to look at, to, you know. Prove that he wasn't taking photos. Yes, that he wasn't yeah. videoing anyone and yeah. look at the deleted section of his phone and this is simply not true. So Patrick Clark has denied this. I mean, I have no idea what happened because I wasn't there. And you know what, Kenny, I'm glad I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like, I mean, I think all Clark actually said was that they were drinking. He didn't actually, well, he did actually mention, you know, powdered substances as well, but he didn't actually say anyone in particular. He didn't name any names. No, he was very clever to uh, skirt around it and tell you what... He basically alluded to it, but didn't say it. But Yeah, he didn't say anyone in particular. He didn't actually name names when it came to who was taking the drugs. He just said that they were drinking heavily. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, and you've also, if you, if you if you read C three, you've also got to be careful because if you're in a scenario with you know whether you're with someone who has done something, hasn't done something, if you are with them and you're doing things that you don't want out there, maybe better to keep quiet about it because what? then this kind of stuff happens and you're just, it's just it's a mess. I mean, E C three is not someone again who. I think is going to really get hired by anybody. Probably, I mean, is he still with Impact? No, no, no. he left them a long time ago. Right, so, um, I mean, Impact's probably the only place that would take him again. But, I mean, EC3's kind of, yeah, he's, I don't think he's he's long for a wrestling career, but um, wacky stuff in wrestling continues. Yeah, um, I mean, but you're right. I mean, it's like, why are you putting, out there, putting this information out there in the public domain? I mean, no one gains anything from this, do they, really? No. They're just guess... now, it's like there's another flame war between them. It's just tittle-tattle. You know, you just become these people. That... I mean, I guess people are taking sides and deciding who's the hero and who's the villain, and that's what happens on Twitter and, you know, in life generally, isn't it, when it comes to a, a spat of this type, you know, among people who weren't there. So I, I believe him. No, I believe him. No, I believe him. And it's just mm-hmm. like... Mm. To me, it's just like, why are you bringing this up? Why are you putting this out there? It's just, it doesn't really seem to serve any purpose that's constructive for either of your lives or careers. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. I just thought I'd give it a quick mention because I know people were yeah. talking about it. So I thought we should just bring it up so that people know that we're aware of things that go on. Um, but I mean, maybe WWE are aware of what we, we say, Finn, because, you know, we recorded um, what's going down yesterday morning and then. Last night, it came out that um, starting with Halloween Havoc, PWN said reported that um, Halloween Havoc will return on the 22nd of October and it will be a takeover special. Oh. Um, and Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Live said that um, the, the Halloween Havoc event is now listed as a takeover and it's not going to be a TV event. So this feels like, an, you know, the new logo, takeovers are coming back. So it feels that we are... Um, it's definitely. a new era. Yeah, it's a new era. We're definitely making alterations to make it feel, uh, you know, more like the the glory days a little bit, where you've got a special that you're building to. So, well, I mean, they should do. I mean, because the havoc thing, I think they brought it back. Was it two years ago? I think they brought it back, and yes. um, you had the spin the wheel, which was great to see. I mean, that was actually a really good concept by WCW, and I think they only actually used it twice. I think they used it in 92 with Jake and Sting and then in 93 with Vader and Cactus Jack. And then by the time we got to Halloween Havoc 94, it was the Hulk Hogan show and they weren't doing anything like that. They were, trying, you know, they, they were in a 1988 time warp. So, but I mean, to <laughs> me, you know, the whole spin the wheel thing, I thought it was just such an amazing gimmick. I remember it coming out at the time. Oh, wow, this sounds amazing. You know, it could be like a barbed wire match between Sting and Jake. It could be a cage match. It could be a Texas death match. Oh, it's a coal miners glove match. It's <laughs> one of them. Some like, you know, lousy, cheapo gimmick from the territory era, you know, that no one, you know, under the age of like 60 remembered. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's really good that they're doing this. I hope they hold it in a larger arena. They get it out of Orlando. Um, and that, I mean, surely they can't be, they cannot hold this takeover event in the small, you know, PC. Surely not, Kenny. Well, I mean, because, you know, we record this, we're recording this on the 15th of September. So if they are going to be somewhere else, they need to 
they would need to put tickets on sale like in the next week, really. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, but then may, may, maybe the plan is that by January the the takeovers go on the road. I don't know if they've got enough time in five weeks to do it. Um, well, that's how, you, that's how you distinguish these from the regular TV, isn't it? Yeah. You hold it in a. You hold the event in a larger venue. It's a different atmosphere. It's a. It's a bigger crowd. You can use more of the props and create a proper set. I mean, Halloween Havoc was always famous for its sets. Um, you know, maybe they can bring back what was that? What was it? The Chamber of Horrors from '91, Kenny, <laughs> with the uh, Abdullah the Butcher in the electric chair. <laughs> maybe you could, well, don't bring that one back. No, sure don't bring that back. Resurrect that, my God! Um, with the electric chair at the end, my God, what a gimme! <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, they've got to they've got to take this on the road, hold it in a larger venue, just a four or 5,000 seater, but it'll look different and it'll feel big. And I think it's important that this, you know, there's there's a distinction between this and a regular TV event, a regular, you know, weekly TV show. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, we, we did, um, you know, we, obviously we talked about the drama last week of all the, uh, the CM Punk stuff and everything else. And actually, it was, I did a podcast with uh, Robert Duffin on Patreon, and he brought up a really good point that I don't, I don't think we discussed, but I think it's just worth a, a quick mention, is that in some ways the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, rightly or wrongly, will be held to a higher standard because they're supposed to be EVPs. So if they're supposed to be in a position of, you know, executive like an executive role you know they can't be seen to be involved in any sort of physical altercation with talent in any way so that might be part of the reason why they are being sort of in some people's eyes penalized more than they should and maybe that's the reason rather than just you know if they were just talent and they went in and they were involved in something maybe it wouldn't be too bad but because they're evps if that title really does mean something maybe that's why you know they're being taken to task for it. But um, Hangman Adam Page actually put up an Instagram post um, to kind of put over his friendship with the Dark Order and talk about how much they mean to him. Um, And he sort of said, uh, let me get the line that he says here. Um, He says, um, uh, he does a quote saying, after you get famous, you stop growing. Um, You don't have to. And then he says, after being a, even, an even small part of a movement with the elite and our subsequent falling out, I was afraid of stagnation. I was happy, fulfilled, and getting a good paycheck but without anyone to push me further. During Brody's illness, I was scared to move forward with these guys, but we all still felt it was the right thing to do. I could never say enough about all of the Dark Order. And he says a sort of nice thing about all of them. And at the end, he says, um, I want to thank Colt for being a fountain of wisdom and saying to me the most self-affirming words I've ever heard. I owe a lot of my career to Matt, Nick, and Kenny. I owe as much to these guys too. Thank you for helping me continue to grow. Which is interesting timing, Finn, for him to put out a statement about the Dark Order and specifically to give Cabana a mention. So this feels like maybe it's his way of kind of, you know, put, putting his side out there, but without being too public. Yeah, I mean, he's he's responding to the claim from CM Punk that he, you know, is just not interested in listening to advice from veterans. And he's put, released this statement, I think, to communicate to the world that, yes, he absolutely does value advice from veterans, people who've been in the business for longer than him, and advice from people generally and the support of others. And he's just really, I think, transmitting the message that, 
he appreciates these people around him and takes nothing for granted and um you know owes you know as a debt of gratitude to many people in AEW and pro wrestling generally and i think it's i think he's really set the example i mean i think hangman adam page has absolutely gone up in my estimations with that statement that he's put out you know that is to me you know a very polite way of sticking it to cm punk you know very polite way and the perfect way of doing it as well because he's just really you know refuting the comments that Punk made about him. Um, so, you know, he's basically done what CM Punk should have done. CM Punk should have set the example. Mm-hmm. He should have been the bigger person. He should have risen above the the bile and the grievance and the bitterness and whether it's real or imagined and just, you know, been a person that, you know, was worthy of emulation by others in the locker room. And I think if you're a locker room leader and a veteran, that's what you should always strive to do. Um, so I think Page has, has shown people a lot with that statement. So good for him. Um, and now, obviously, we cover the retro shows on Patreon, and we are going to be covering Unforgiven later this month. And uh, during that podcast, I am going to ask you a little bit fit about HLA and the Billy and Chuck commitment ceremony. So we've got that to look forward to, to chat about because we've just covered it on the shows. But on, yeah. since we want to talk about all the lead up to the Unforgiven on the paper, on the review, I thought I'd bring up on here the um, Triple H being awarded the World Heavyweight Championship on the September 2nd, 2002 Raw by Eric Bischoff. Um, yeah. I want to get your take at the time because obviously Brock Lesnar was the undisputed champ. He beat Rock at SummerSlam. Then they do the angle where Stephanie sort of poaches Lesnar and takes him to SmackDown. And this leads, and this leads to Triple H becoming or being handed the title, because uh, he was the number one contender from winning a match the week before. What do you remember about at the time that being the way they brought that title in, um, and what was the kind of feedback in wrestling about that being, uh, you know, the, the way they went to uh, crown a, a champion for Raw? I mean, I think most people saw it as a bit of a joke, really. I mean, there was the famous Triple H promo. The next big thing has no balls. That was that, you know, because <laughs> he'd turned tail and run off to SmackDown. And I, I, you know, vividly remember when I did the interview with Lesnar in 2007 for Power Slam. It's in the Power Slam interviews, volume two, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about this promo. And Lesnar claimed to have no knowledge of any of it. Wow. <laughs> it's just, that's the effect it had on Lesnar. He did not care. He did not listen to it. He was not interested. I mean, maybe he was making that up. I don't know. I mean, it was a very different place in his life in 2007 than he was in 2002 and and is now in 2022. Um, But yeah, I mean, it did cause quite a bit of confusion as well, Kenny, because Eric Bischoff presented him with the actual physical belt that Ric Flair had held in WCW before he left. And the belt that he arrived on WWF TV with in 1991, and that Bobby Heenan famously held up, didn't he, Kenny? Yeah, well, also it's the same. It's the same belt essentially that they had as the the world title the previous December that they unified with uh, when Jericho carried both the belts for four months or whatever it was. That's so it, was- it. But I mean, but that belt now that belt. And this is where it gets tricky. So people got really confused. So people thought that this 2002 belt was somehow linked to the NWA world title, (laughs) which at this point was on TNA 
was in NWA TNA. It was the belt that they were vying for there. Uh-huh. Like Ron Killings and Ken Shamrock had held it and Jeff Jarrett would hold it. Can't remember exactly who held it on September, September 2nd, 2002, but it was it was it would that was the NWA world title that could be traced back to Luthers and Orville Brown and Halle Race and Jack Briscoe and Terry Funk and all these other people. But I mean, people found it very confusing because it was the actual physical belt that Ric Flair had held in WCW in 1991, which at that point was the NWA world title, right? And then, you know, then that all becomes another conversation. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just yet another, it was yet more evidence that Triple H had just taken over the promotion and it was just all about glorifying him and no one else, you know, everyone else was in a supporting role. He was the star of the show. And I think people really resented it. And I think it took a long time for the title to mean anything. It did eventually. But this was an entirely new championship. You know, lots of people didn't think he was. And I remember receiving lots of letters from people back in the power some days telling me, no, this is the belt, you know, that Harley Race held. No, it isn't. That's the belt that's in NWA TNA. Oh, well, it's the same belt. Look. It's like, well, nowadays you can buy that belt. <laughs> you can buy that physical belt and like walk around the street with it, picking rubbish up or going down to the spoons. But it doesn't mean, you know, that that belt you hold has got any link with, you know, the belt that you know, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes held back in the 80s. So, you know, it just all gets very confusing. But anyway, to answer your question, Kenny, People just kind of felt, you know, they should have had a tournament. You know, I mean, I know we're sick of tournaments now, thanks to AEW. <laughs> Look, it's fun. They've, all, they've only done 14 tournaments since they started. <laughs> and what they've only got, was it 14? T- didn't you Didn't you actually add up how many title belts, how many championships? Like I, retweeted, I retweeted it. If you, add in, if you add in all the title belts they've got, including Ring of Honor, they have 13 championships. 13 championships. I mean, it's just outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> it's just um but no i really felt back in september 2002 that there should have been a tournament in order to establish this as a new championship and try and you know give it some credibility rather than just having eric bischoff present it to triple h that was my view at the time and i think the view of a lot of people as well well because there's a I, I remember listening to an interview on pw torch with either andrew goldstein or seth mates i think it was seth mates because he was definitely on the creative team at this time and i remember him saying that uh the idea initially when they were going to split the belts was lesnar would be the smackdown champion and rvd would be the raw champion that was the idea and they would have these separate titles and if it didn't work they could just do like a, a you know big unification match on pay-per-view at the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania or something um and Triple H obviously was in the room when this <laughs> conversation was taking place <laughs> and he said well you know what the thing is what would really get RVD over is if he beat me so why don't we do something where i uh, you know i'm i'm the champion he beats me so it went from I think RVD would beat Triple H to win it to Triple H would win the match to know Triple H would just get the belt and then he would put RVD over. And we know that he does not put RVD over. Correct. Well, he well, he did put him over on TV in a tag team match when it didn't matter. Um, but somebody, somebody actually showed RVD this not too long ago. 
showed showed him the him beating Triple H on Raw, and he was like, he was like, did that actually happen? He was like, I don't remember beating Triple H ever. <laughs> um, so that's how uh, you know. Even, no, even Rob's memory is a bit. Rob's memory is a bit hazy, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, you know, he takes a lot of nutritional supplements. Um, I, I, it's interesting that you bring up Brock Lesnar and the whole, you know, Triple H saying that you know he ran off the next big thing. The next big thing has no balls. It is weird that throughout the whole Triple H reign of doom, he gets to do whatever he wants to everybody but Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think he just? knew not to mess with Brock Lesnar or do you think Vince, that was the only person Vince would sort of have the balls to say, well, you're not messing with him? Because it does seem odd that that's the one they never crossed paths, they never had a match, they never, you know, and and Lesnar's still there for another, what, 18 months? Yeah, yeah, March 2004 he leaves, doesn't it? Uh So uh, it's a long way off. I mean, obviously, they had the interminable feud after he (laughs) returned. I mean, that just never ended. Um, I mean, well, I mean, Triple H, he got his shot in verbally, didn't he? You know, he, I mean, I was surprised that he said that and that he was permitted to say that on TV. You know, I just felt like that was a real cheap shot. And I thought, well, is this going to lead to a match between these two? And maybe that was the plan at the time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we know, chat plans change all the time, even today. And certainly they changed all the time back in 2002. But it, it was curious, yeah. And I think Triple H probably did breathe a sigh of relief when Lesnar became exclusive on SmackDown because it meant that he didn't have to worry about him on Raw and there wasn't going to be this conversation of him having to put Lesnar over, which I think he would have he would have been required to do had Lesnar remained on Raw. So I imagine it was you know a day of celebration for Paul Levesque when he found out that his big rival, the next big thing you know, was going to be on the other brand and not going to be any sort of threat to his status or, you know, his, posi- his pole position on as the Raw brand's top guy. So, yeah, it was it was a strange time. And, um, but yeah, I really felt that that interview was not constructive at all. So you could say it was for Triple H, but I don't know whether it really was, you know, with him just receiving the title belt. And I think it was a bit of a setback for him, the fact that he didn't win a tournament. And I think a lot of people just thought, sort of felt really deflated by the whole way that that was handled. And then Lesnar just left. And, you know, maybe there was a plan somewhere, you know, just deep in the recesses of McMahon's mind for Triple H and Lesnar to wrestle. So that was why he was permitted to say those words and trash Lesnar in that fashion. I mean, usually things like this don't happen for no reason. There's usually an explanation in WWE for why something like that would be said by one top star to another or about another. Yeah. Maybe 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 Paul Heyman again stepped in for Lesnar and kind of saw, you know, maybe he uh, tried to squash the idea of a match because he knew what would happen. <laughs> he probably knew that the outcome would be for, uh, oh, yeah, for Brock. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know how much power Heyman had at that point. I mean, he was... He was on Hit. SmackDown. He was the SmackDown writer. Yeah. But I mean, I think in a battle between Heyman and Triple H, I think Triple H would have won that battle backstage. Oh, yeah. But, he, but Heyman was probably clever enough that if he did want to sort of quash the idea, he'd do it in a way that he wouldn't be... He would He would be clever enough about how he did it. I feel like Heyman yes. would... But, yes. Um, and he would see the big picture as well. And it's like, right, where well, we get Lesnar over here... We've got the angle feud 
upcoming. You know, that's going to be the WrestleMania program, and that's going to be really good for Lesnar. So let's concentrate on that. Let's get him away as far away as possible, you know, in a parallel universe, you know, from Triple H, because who knows what could happen if that match goes down. It's probably not going to end well for Lesnar or for Heyman, of course, yeah. who was Lesnar's ad- not advocate. What was he called at the time? Agent. Agent, yes, agent. I, I do love the idea that Heyman in the 2000s was like, I don't want to be called a manager. I'm going to call myself anything else but a manager. So, um, but anyway, yeah. If you um, if you want a laugh, go on the network and watch the uh, the segment where Eric Bischoff walks out with a briefcase and hands Triple H the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, but anyway, um, that is all the time we've got for today. We'll be uh, we're just about to record the overrun for Patreon. We're going to take a bunch of uh, questions that didn't make the mag this month that we're going to answer in long form. Uh, over on Patreon, so patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. Check out the new mag, it's up for pre-order right now, insidetheropesmagazine.com. But you you know all this already, you know, if you're listening this far and you're a regular listener, you don't need me to tell you this stuff. But um, it's just nice to bring it up. So Finn, um, we shall speak to the lovely people over on Patreon. Yes, we shall. Yeah, and thanks to everyone for sending the questions in for the magazine last month. Some really good questions in the magazine. Some really good questions for us to answer over on Patreon momentarily. Yeah, and thank you to uh, people on Twitter who have been uh, showing their support of the podcast recently with uh, some of some of the, uh, I think I can't remember who was on this day in WWE, I think, who was saying that they've never heard you so angry as you were at the CM Punk media scrum, which uh, I think provoked a lot of entertainment for people. So at least their <laughs> anger is not for nothing. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't get angry very often, Kenny, but no, I was really wound up about that. And calm myself down now, calm myself down a bit. You know, after last week's excitement, <laughs> you know, at my age, at my age. Go be careful, a, pace yourself then. Yeah, chill pill. That's figuratively, <laughs> not literally, you know, no. figuratively one. So, uh, no, but, not an EC3 uh, party. Um, well, listen, uh, yeah, want to thank you all for that, for your support, and we'll talk to you soon, everybody. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.